Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good evening, dummies. Episode 147. It's been a while. It's May 3rd, 7.07 p.m. Monday, 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 Monday. Feels like a Monday. It was definitely a Monday type of work day. You know, just where, where everything seems to hit you. It was one of those days. Good to have you here. It's good to be here. It's It feels like, once again, on every Monday. It feels like I haven't seen you in a long time. So it's good to have you. There's a couple things that we're going to talk about tonight. First, I want to get to... This Rick Monday post, which continues to just climb and climb. Three million people have seen it. I think 70,000 people have interacted with it. Likes, shares are up in 70K. Impressions are 3 million. It's incredible. And it's humbling. I really haven't felt this infinitesimal since I went to a European soccer game. There's something there. 110,000 people made me probably feel like Queen at Wembley when the Queen came and played. Wembley Stadium, I think, had 110,000, 111,000 people in it. That feeling of having so much energy and so much force around you, it's humbling. Well, the fact that I didn't do this, I didn't run out and save the flag, I didn't write the article, I just shared it, it's still something that you can put your stamp on and create. And I always told my, tell myself when I see these posts, oh, you won't replicate that again. That's the, that's, you've eclipsed. You've reached apogee, so to speak. You won't go there again. And every time it seems to get bigger. So it's, it's humbling. It's also really freaking alarming. And I hate to harp on the same thing sometimes, but I'm going to tonight. People have three or four reactions to this. Republicans are either like, what a beautiful story, God bless him, what a hero. And Democrats are like, well, those people had a right to protest and burn the flag. Let's get this straight. You have no right to charge a field. It's private property. You don't pay for the field. You pay for the seat to watch the game. Going on the field is illegal. I don't care what year it is. Lighting a flag on fire and burning it and having a kumbaya moment without marshmallows is most assuredly illegal. Not the actual burning of the flag, but you're burning it on public property, private property, and you're damaging grass, you're damaging whatever else. That's it. It's illegal. So don't give me the crap that they had a right to do it, but everyone's all sympathetic. Oh, they're Native American and they're protesting. I've known a lot of Native Americans and I've never seen any Native American burn the flag. In fact, they're very patriotic people. They don't hate America. Yes, they were wronged by America. Just like African Americans don't hate America. There are some. But generally speaking, I'm sorry, no. They may have some very buoyant opinions about America, But hate America? Come on. 
But then there's this other element, and it's this psychotic element. Republicans and Democrats alike. Democrats who are insulting to a point of there's just this buy-your-leave attitude that I'm speaking to a Republican, you're a Trump supporter, you're you're a Nazi. And I've heard it, and I've seen it on, on TV, and you hear about it, but holy crap, it's real. There are people who just hate unequivocally, immediately, because you look a certain way. People don't even watch my show. They come on, they see the shirts, they see tattoos, they see uh, the American flag behind me. Immediately, I'm a Trump supporter. It, it, it baffles me. They know everything about me and all my politics and all of my listeners, and they are here to create vengeance and holy war against anyone. People who are anti-American, there's people from foreign countries. Listen, if you're from a foreign country, your opinion means nothing to me. I'm sorry. Just like my opinion should mean nothing unless I've been to your country and I've been to a lot of yours, but I don't live there. So although I can speak somewhat in an educated fashion about your country, through history and experiential learning doesn't make me an expert. I don't live there. I don't understand the nuance like you do. You don't understand America. You don't know shit about America. So fuck off. But these people want to come on and just literally not even have a conversation. They just want to lay down their laws. And then you have Republicans out there who are, you're going to burn in hell and you're a godless heathen and a, and a communist and a socialist. And I, I was always proud. People remember the days I first started this show when we had a few hundred people. And I said, man, we don't have any trolls. We don't have any crazies. This is awesome. And everyone's like, oh, dude, it's going to start. I said, no, it's not. We're going to keep it clean. We're going we're gonna to rise above. We're going to be highbrow. But for the party that thinks they're so smart, which are Democrats, who look down upon Republicans and called them uneducated rednecks, you people have another thing coming. You can't argue your way out of a wet paper bag. People think they win, and I just stop because you've said something that's disqualified my engagement on your post. It's not that I can't argue with you. It's that I immediately know that there's no point. That's the person who's strong, by the way. The person who walks away and just says, forget it. I might even have a conversation with you. You're such a freaking moron. But it is what it is. This is the world today. This is, this is why I say don't unfriend me. But some people have no desire to grow. So we're going to talk about a few of those things tonight. We're going to try to break down a, a few things. One of them is this, this woke culture and why I am most assuredly not woke in any way, shape, or form and never will be woke. We'll talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about an Oregon Democrat with sex trafficking, Speaker of the House for the state. Interesting. This has been buried and blacked out by the media. There's complete silence. There's only a couple of articles on it on the Internet, and it has been out for quite a while. But the media is putting a blanket over this. And the last thing is minimum wage. Is it good? Is it bad? What will it do for our economy? All those other things. Let's talk about it. Let's have an honest conversation about minimum wage. And we will see what we see. You know, when I was thinking about jobs and I was thinking about minimum wage, it reminds me of one of my first jobs that I ever had in Ojai, California. And it was bagging groceries. And although it wasn't a prolific job, or one of grandiose stature, or something that I knew was going to take me into a career of being a grocer. I took pride in it, and I thought it was important. 
And I pressed my uniform each day. I showed up on time. I didn't shave because I couldn't grow hair one, but was definitely a learning experience for me. But every time I went into work, I always saw this man outside and he was outside the building of the grocery store and he would panhandle all the time and beg for money. And he was unshaven and dirty and he didn't smell particularly well. And every day we would go and go into work and I would see him. My dad would go to work at the golf course and drop me off. And as I reported to work one day, we had a shortage of people. And we wanted to expand into doing what you see at Costco all the time, which is someone standing by the end of the aisle and demoing a product, whether it be tortilla chips or Dixie cups or snossages or whatever the hell it is. And this was going to be an orange juicer where you would put a half of an orange in and pull the lever and juice would come out. And after 47 oranges, you would get yourself a two ounce glasses of orange juice. And my thought to the manager at the time was, we should probably go out to the homeless man and offer him a job and see if we can get him and help him because that would be a great thing. Make me feel better, make you feel better. Plus we don't have anyone out there uh, that he might be scaring off customers. The manager thought it was a good idea. So he went out there with shaving cream and a razor, gave it to the man and said, why don't you come on back? We'll have a talk. And when the, the vagrant walked out of the office, the manager, manager was all smiles and the vagrant shook his hand, walked away and, had a, had a new shirt and a new name tag and looks like he had the job. And I, I was just beaming with pride. And the manager comes up to me and goes, Matt, that's a great job. I, I think he's going to work out well. And I think that was a really good idea. And I, I learned a lot. And I realized that I loved helping people. The manager looks at me and goes, well, let's, let's get you into a training role where you can kind of show him what he needs to do since you know a little bit about the store. You've been around a while. We're short on people. Cashiers are going to be busy. Stock boys are going to be busy. I know you're a stock boy, but maybe you can kind of show him how to do this and demonstrate. I was absolutely, I'd love to. That sounds fantastic. So the next day I came in and repeatedly 14, 15 days after school and trained the man on how to be a juicer. And he couldn't get the, the, the job. He could not talk to people in a way that, was it more of a sales, salesy type role and couldn't build a relationship with somebody quickly. In fact, people looked at him and just seemed to be put off and he wasn't very good at it. I remember seeing him, you know, cut oranges the, the wrong way in the sense that one third of them would be cut, puts it in the thing, it gets jammed, has to get a new one, almost cut his finger off drop the knife, drop the orange on the floor, pick up the orange, put it in the juicer and do it anyway and just ruin the whole glass. I mean, it was just bad. And after about two weeks, I, I learned something else is that not everybody is, uh, is built for that. So what happened from there? I'm not sure. The manager took him into the office and then one day he took off his apron and took off his name tag, handed it back to the manager and left. And I went to the manager and I said, well, what happened? And he said, well, the, some people just don't work out. No matter how hard you try, you can't really teach them anything. And it took me a while to, to learn the lesson from that. And I, I took, I don't know, maybe a year or two or three. Maybe it was after college or after the military, or maybe it was more recently than that. And I just had to realize at one point that beggars can't be juicers.
recorded from an undisclosed location. Always honest, always direct. So sit back, relax. Don't unfriend me starts right now. Oh, what a long way around the barn. Sorry, folks. Uh, I set you up for that one. I apologize. Everyone's like, wow, what a, what a convincing story. Beggars can't be choosers or juicers for that matter. If you have to explain the joke, it isn't good to begin with. Sorry about that. What are we doing tonight, folks? Well, we already talked about it. Who am I? My name is Matt Spear. I am the host of Don't Unfriend Me. Here are all my social media tags. You can find them right there. Also, if you wouldn't mind stopping by my website at www don'tunfriendme.com. You can get my podcast, my videos, my entire catalog right there for your viewing pleasure. And if you stop by YouTube right here, you can click on the envelope and subscribe, or you can like and follow on Facebook. I really appreciate it. It helps if you share and get the word out. All of that makes an impact. So I appreciate you. The $15 an hour proposed wage increase. President Joe Biden has proposed this nationwide $15 minimum wage increase as a part of his so-called American Rescue Plan. Talk about bad timing. Raising labor prices on businesses that are uh, struggling to stay afloat is like throwing them a load of bricks instead of a life preserver. And anyone who knows anything about minimum wage and small business is that it does not have the intended impact that you would expect. Small businesses don't have unlimited funds. They only have so many hours to give, and I don't think we've actually thought about what it means. Let me explain. If you give somebody $15 more an hour, what they have found in states that have actually done that is that workers work less. They go to someplace in the middle. We haven't raised it since, I believe, geez, was it 2003? I think it was 2003 raised the minimum wage. And a lot of places are nearly half of the $15 an hour. And what they found is when they bumped it up is that people would lose overtime. People would lose that extra overtime where they got time and a half. People would go ahead and say, well, I'm making more than I was, so I'm going to go ahead and pull back a little bit. And what this does is it doesn't necessarily incentivize people to work more or continue on the same pace that they were because they're making more. There's also something else that happens, is that it cuts out the entry-level job. You see, working at McDonald's is not an ideal job for the rest of your life. It never was intended to do that. Bagging groceries as a stock boy is not a lifelong experience. Your job is to learn and to find a trade If you decide not to go to school or join the military or get into some sort of program that will help you achieve your dreams, you have to go out and try to find it. And you are not guaranteed a certain wage for that. Your wage is based upon and predicated upon the average dollar per labor. Nobody deserves $15 an hour for flipping a hamburger. I'm sorry. Those are entry-level jobs. And as you become a fry cook and you work on the French fry machine, and you dip hash browns, you then will move up to food prep. And from food prep, you'll go ahead and move up to maybe back-of-the-house supervisor. From back-of-house supervisor, you move up to lead cook. Lead cook, maybe you get a front-of-the-house position, and you're a head cashier. Then maybe you get assistant manager, manager, district manager, on and on and on. That's what I did. 
I started out hosting and seating people at an Applebee's. From there, I waited tables. I went to the back of house. I then became bar manager, front of house manager, and then general manager. And it went on from there. And through the military, I still worked at Applebee's in Virginia. On nights off that I didn't have watch, I would run over there. I'd make some money, make some tips, three or four hour shift, get off and then go drink and hang out with the buddies till two in the morning. There was something rewarding about that. But I worked my way up. And I'm 47 years old and I finally just made vice president of a company. And that's where I should be, exactly where I should be actually. And I'm happy. But it didn't happen overnight, and it never does. But if you expect a f- more than $15 an hour for this to host a table or to flip a burger, your expectations are in the wrong place. It's going to take hard work. Raising labor prices on businesses that are struggling to stay afloat is like throwing them a load of bricks. As I said, instead of a life preserver, State and local governments raising their minimum wages is one thing, but to more than double the federal minimum from seven twenty-five to fifteen per hour, nearly one in every five restaurants permanently closed their doors in twenty twenty, as thirty large retail and restaurant companies filed for bankruptcy. Meanwhile, employment in food service restaurants and bars fell nineteen percent in twenty twenty, as retail clothing jobs dropped twenty-four percent, and accommodations hotels plummeted 32%. Although very few people, only about 1% of all workers and 0.1% of single parents making the 725 minimum wage, remember, it's a very small amount, this wage increase will only bring a million people above poverty. But it's also predicted to lose 1.5 million jobs. That doesn't help. Talking about boiling the ocean, talking about bailing out a boat with a thimble, it does more harm than good. A good portion of restaurant, retail, and hotel jobs pay less than 15 per hour. No one would suggest raising the rent on households who are a month behind on their payments. So how could raising labor prices help businesses? For a restaurant with five full-time workers making minimum wage, a doubling of the federal minimum wage would mean an extra $85,800 in wages and unemployment tax or employment taxes. Let's also consider the impact of The training expenditures that that costs. What happens if someone goes on medical leave? What happens if somebody quits? What happens if somebody is fired and then they uh, file for unemployment? What does that mean to the government now that they are making a higher wage? What does that do to our unemployment? Has anyone ever thought that the long-term effects are not just state but federal level? And I understand that unemployment is actually paid by the state. I get that. But that still impacts the federal level as well. People like to think that the federal and state governments are completely separated. That is not true. And the one thing that makes them completely tied together and symbiotic is financial. It's the almighty dollar. With restaurant profit margins of about 5%, that could require an extra $1.7 million in food sales. 4,700 more per day, a seemingly impossible feat in normal times, let alone in the middle of a global pandemic. Higher wages are a great thing, especially when the gains occur to lower income workers. But the only way to achieve actual wage increases, that is, lasting wage increases that don't take jobs and incomes from others, is for workers to become more productive. 
To that end, government mandates are powerless. A $15 minimum wage won't help workers gain education and experience or to provide them with technology that will enable them to produce more value and earn larger incomes and in sense will create more stagnation as there will be no lower and the middle is the middle. And you will have people who have no skill sets that increase, but somehow they are paid more. The expectation is you're going to do the same amount of work, but get more pay. That's not productivity. That's charity. Employers are not a charity. Their job is not to provide you with a lifestyle that makes you comfortable. Your job is to find a job that makes you comfortable. Living beyond your means is not the employer's fault. I survived on seven, eight dollars an hour, and I went ahead and waited tables too. And I had to live with four people. And I had some really horrible meals, and sometimes I went hungry. It's a part of growing up. Live with your parents as long as you can. Learn that lesson now before you go out. Because I'll tell you, at 47, I wish I would still be with my parents living with them, but I couldn't tolerate my mother for that long. But this can cause the opposite by shifting employers' resources away from training and investments to wages instead. Moreover, raising wages by government fiat hurts many workers in the short and long run by cutting off the bottom rungs of the career ladder. A $15 federal minimum wage translates into over $36,000 per year in wages and mandated taxes and benefits paid by employers. That means that any jobs that don't produce at least $36,000 per year in goods and services will eventually be eliminated, either because businesses close their doors, outsource their labor, or automate low-skilled jobs. That's why even liberal economists and nonpartisan CBO caution that a $15 minimum wage would lead to a survival of the fittest labor market, reduce future incomes, and disproportionately harm African Americans and women. The former chair of President Barack Obama's White House Council of Economic Advisors, Alan Kruger, warned in 2015, research suggests that a minimum wage set as high as $12 an hour will do more harm than good and harm for low-wage workers, but a $15 an hour national minimum wage would put us in uncharted waters and risk undesirable and unintended consequences. Those consequences would be unequal across the country. Large cities with high cost of living, many of which already have or on a path to a $15 minimum wage, may not experience huge consequences. But non-urban areas and places with lower costs of living could be devastated. This is why a burger in the, inner, or in the city is different than the suburbs. If a burger costs you this much in Detroit, it should cost you this much in Virginia. That's not the way it works. Unfortunately, there's shipping lanes through fair trucks, getting that produce there. If it's close, if it needs to be refrigerated, all of these things come into the equation. Overhead is something that we don't think about. The point is, is that when you live closer to the city, you make higher in wages because the, 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 the living capacity and your ability, the living wage has to be higher. I know in Bakersfield, California, we paid geniuses at Apple around $21 to $22 an hour. In San Francisco, they're making $50 an hour. It's, it's comparable living wage. But if you want to live in San Francisco, California, McDonald's is not the job. You will never survive. And that's the problem. You should go where the work is. And I understand that's easier said than done. Life is hard, folks. But it's not the employer's job to do that for you. It's your job. The policymakers, 
that were proposing a minimum wage hike to nearly $36 an hour, ensuring that all full-time workers earned at least $74,000 per year. That is the most asinine thing I've ever heard. It took me 20 years to make that much money. Most people would say that's too much, realizing that such a high minimum wage would have massive consequences in terms of lost jobs, increasing prices, and complete and utter disruption of the American labor market and economy. Yet $15 per hour in Mississippi would be equivalent to $35.74 per hour in D.C., where federal lawmakers seek to impose a national standard across the U.S. minimum wages and their best left to local governments, where decisions can be based on the economic conditions and the cost of living there. If a local government sets its minimum wage above the market wage, at least workers and business owners who lose their jobs and businesses can move to places where it's still possible for them to earn a living. But if policymakers impose an excessively high nationwide minimum wage across 50 diverse states and more than 3,000 counties, there will be nowhere else for the harmed to go. Instead of mandating policies that irrefutably harm some people to the benefit of others, policymakers should focus on opening doors to income opportunities for all workers. Reducing barriers to jobs and income gains is what helped contribute to the 14.6% increase in wages for workers. How about this? How about we use some of that money to make community college free? After high school, high school diploma doesn't really get you anything. It just shows that you can actually keep your nose in the books for a little bit and you might have a little bit of determination. But a two-year degree makes an impact. It creates more mature people. It exposes you to things you normally wouldn't see. And it actually puts you ahead of the eight ball of other people. It creates critical thinking, problem solving, intuitive foresight and insight into the things that you don't understand without experiential learning. But unfortunately, we don't think of that. State-funded colleges are an amazing thing, and we don't use them. The two-year colleges, we don't take advantage of them because everybody wants to go to a four-year degree and think that's the only answer. What about DeVry? What about being a crane operator and making $125,000 in your first two years? There are options out there, folks. Blue-collar work is respectable, but the democratic thought process is that people do that. They're stupid. And that's what we get to earlier is that Republicans are dumb. Well, I'll tell you one thing Republicans know how to do. They know how to make money. At the 10th percentile of earners, those earning about $10 per hour between 16 and 19, 2000, lawmakers at all levels should be seeking to help Americans recover and gain new opportunities instead of permanently wiping out existing ones. The last thing I will say about this $15 increase, and Rashid Tlaib stood on the streets of Detroit screaming in her slang, her ghetto slang, even though she's not from the ghetto. They're very good at pandering and explained that no Egg McMuffins would be made anymore, and I'm sure that made her tummy growl. Problem with this is that you're setting an expectation for people that when life is hard, you just simply strike and quit. When you have a job, you are told you're going to make this much an hour. You have contracted with that employer. I believe every year you have an opportunity to leave a job. I try to stay at a job for at least a year because I gave my word. I promised I would do this contract at this price. But what happens is people become entitled. People believe that they're shit hot and somehow they flip a burger better than somebody else. And they want more money. And they try to renegotiate. This isn't the NBA, LeBron. Calm down. You need to earn your way. 
and you will be compensated. The one thing I know about businesses, companies, is that they're always looking for great talent. And it's the hardest thing to find, and it's the hardest thing to grow yourself. If you are truly talented, you will be paid, compensated, and be taken care of. It has nothing to do with race, color, or creed. Nobody cares about that crap. Unless it's some redneck hick, and that happens from time to time, but it's not the norm. This puts the burden. These major corporations like Target, Cabela's, Seattle Coffee Company, whatever. These are multi-billion dollar companies. They can afford to do this, but mom and pops can't. Tammy's Diner, which I did the fundraiser for, and she had to pay somebody $15 an hour. I promise you she would close her doors in two weeks. This is not for everyone. You can't have a broad sweeping brush to paint this picture. You need to understand is that rural communities can't afford to do this. Federally mandated minimum wage is theft. It's just like taxes. And you can say it any way you want. It is theft. People will pay for the labor based upon need, want, and skill set. If you mandate that everyone is equal, that everyone finishes the race the same place, the only person that's going to be impacted are the owners and then eventually the workers because they will no longer have jobs. Former Oregon House Speaker and current Clack Amis Community College Board Member Dave Hunt was cited by Portland police in an undercover sex traffic sting operation in April. You may know David Hunt. Maybe you don't. He proposed legislation against sex trafficking and was an advocate for that. I guess when you are that type of person, you should hide and play sight, kind of like Boy Scout leaders. <sighs> Contacted by the Portland Tribune on Monday, May 3rd, Hunt said, I don't think I should talk about that. Clackamas Community College announced several hours later that Hunt was taking a leave from the board. As a legislator, Hunt was one of the numerous sponsors of a bill criminalizing sex trafficking in 2007. In 2011, he also voted for the HB 2714. That bill created the crime of commercial sexual solicitation, the crime for which he was arrested and cited. The Portland Police Bureau issued a press release May 1st saying its human trafficking unit had cited eight men in an operation conducted in April. Officers posted online decoy ads on known human trafficking websites, and the subject who contacted undercover police officers to arrange payment for sexual acts were criminally cited on the charge of commercial sexual solicitation. Rutro. The release did not name those cited, but said the list was available on request. The Portland Tribune requested the list and received it Monday morning, May 3rd, and it included 53-year-old David Hunt of Milwaukee. Reporters at the Portland Tribune then requested and received a portion of the police report. The suspect has the same full name, date of birth, and home address as the former speaker and current CCC board member. It said he was arrested and cited on April 28th by two Portland police officers at a Ramada Inn, southwest, southeast Portland. A Democrat, Hunt served as state representative for District 40 of the Oregon House of Representatives, representing Clackamas County from 2003 to 2013. He was elected Oregon House Majority Leader for the 2007-2009 session and served as Speaker during the 2009-2011 session. After leaving the legislature, Hunt served as President and CEO of the Pacific Northwest Defense Coalition for five years as Senior Vice President of Strategies 360 for three years. He currently serves as president and CEO of Columbia Public Affairs, where he is also a registered Oregon lobbyist. According to the police bureau, the Human Trafficking Unit is one of its oldest units. 
It added two additional detectives along with an additional sergeant and four officers in 2020, giving it the investigative capacity to follow up on felony-level Measure 11 crimes while simultaneously conducting rescue missions for victims of trafficking and affecting the demand side of trafficking by conducting periodic buyer suppression missions. Due to both COVID-19 restrictions and months of nightly civil unrest, the unit's work was severely curtailed for most of the year. Its operations included six surveillance missions, 100 hours of remote review surveillance, two buyer suppression missions, and four rescue trafficker suppression missions. Here's the problem. It's not like this guy wanted a little rub and a tug and went down to a local rubbery. It's not like he paid for a prostitute on the street corner and parked in a back lot. This is sex trafficking. It is a much different animal. We have no idea if these men or women that he solicited were underage, but if it's a sting, it's pretty much safe to assume that it's some pretty nasty, nefarious folks. Now, all of this is not guaranteed. It hasn't been proven in the court of law, and all of this is a legend. I want to make sure I say that because, Mr. Hill, although I'm a small-time podcast, I don't want to get sued by this scumbag piece of shit. So, therefore, allegedly, here's what it comes down to. There is a blanket silence on this article. And why am I sharing it with you? Because I had to find it from Matt from Stillpoint sent it to me. And I searched up and down the internet for this. I looked everywhere. This is not on CBS, ABC, NBC, C-SPAN, Fox, nowhere. Nowhere. You can't find it. This is important stuff. If this was a Republican, it would be on every single paper nationally. It would be on every single channel. But it's not. Also, have you noticed that at the bottom of the page, they actually say the word Democrat. It only took them over 4,000 words to get to Democrat. That's the hypocrisy I'm talking about. Why can't we be honest with this? Why can't we hold people accountable? Why does the media cover up and put this on page 46 and bury it behind the want ads? It's interesting to ask. Folks, why am I not woke? Someone said that to me on the site. They were talking about America and how America sucks and its capitalism is horrible. First of all, here's the thing. If you're going to argue with people, I understand if you hate capitalism. I understand if you hate America. I understand if you hate democracy. I understand if you hate everything there is to know about this country. Tell me what's better. Teach me. What's a better economic system or a more effective economic system than capitalism? I'll wait. That's the problem with people who argue. Ask questions once again. They don't know. This gentleman came on. Uh, I don't remember his name. It was pompous little shit. But he said he has a doctorate in economics and wanted to tell me that capitalism was ruthless and destroyed the world. Great. Tell me what's better. Tell me a, a basis of any economic system that doesn't have disparity, that doesn't have inequality, that doesn't have flaws and mistakes. Same with forms of government. Same with legal systems. Same with social and welfare programs, nonprofits. We can go on all day long. Everything has flaws. The question is, is does it cause more harm or more good? And that's what you need to help people understand. But this woke culture, I was asked, why aren't you woke? Well, woke has a meaning that I don't quite understand. Get woke, and any woke person knows what that means. You don't need to look up the Webster's Dictionary definitions or slang or things that are are in a culture of 
that that website. I can't remember what the name is. Where they where they have different words that mean something. Urban Dictionary, right? You don't need the Urban Dictionary or the Internet speak to understand something. I'm not using incorrect grammar to try and get you out of bed in the morning. Saying woke is not necessarily perfect English or grammar, and that's okay. That's not why I don't use it. And I'm trying to tell you to open up your eyes and become socially engaged is what this means. It's like I need you to to become aware of your whiteness or I need you to become aware of your racist behavior, your sexist behavior, your toxic, toxic masculinity. I'm imploring you to educate yourself on current events and political issues. Being woke is being plugged in and being actively aware and involved with the world around you. That's what it means. But there's this hidden connotation inside of it that all of those things about the isms, the racism, the sexism, homophobia, the world holds a partisan undertone that we usually don't even notice. And if we do, that we probably don't disagree with necessarily. The word woke implies that to support the liberal viewpoints is to be socially aware. Woke people are heavily informed and actively involved with liberal social issues. If you're leading a Black Lives Matter protest, you're probably woke. If you're calling your congressperson to advocate for Planned Parenthood, you're probably woke. If you're handing out pro-life leaflets, however, you probably will not receive the woke label. It's biased and it's laced in nomenclature. It's rooted in a belief held by some on the left that people are, are only conservative because they are uneducated and stupid. If only people were smarter, more informed, more woke, then surely they would see the democratic light and switch sides because that's really what it is. It's ignorance. It's like the word of the Lord. If you don't accept him into your heart, you won't go to heaven. If you don't actually listen and become woke, you won't be a good person. Nevertheless, it is crucial to see the fault in this mindset. Just because somebody uses a word and annotates it with some sort of get out of jail free card or pass to heaven or a media or heroic status doesn't mean it's true. Some of the most woke, socially informed and engaged people I know are woke from the right. I know conservatives who watch the news 24 hours, seven days a week and don't let a single current event slip their notice. I know people who utilize grassroots efforts to engage with their community, to raise awareness for an issue that is of the utmost importance to them. Anti-abortion legislation is an example. Conservatism is not about being misinformed, and being woke is not about liberalism. There are educated, impassioned individuals on all sides of these issues. And I do acknowledge that the origins of the word woke stem from the black community, and it fights for equality. I understand that. Historically, racial equality has been primarily driven by liberals, and hence the historical connection between the world and partisanship is natural. Now, I understand you can go back to the founding of the Ku Klux Klan, the Jim Crow laws, all of that. But in recent memory, since the civil rights movement, most assuredly, even though we don't agree in any way, shape, or form with liberals about how they treat African Americans in the inner cities, this is the nomenclature of this. This is the misnomer of this, is that Democrats are for minorities. However, woke is spreading. It is taking on new meaning and new reach. Woke is starting to become an umbrella term for all that is just, thus making justice synonymous with democratic political platforms. 
Such a usage of language is merely one example of rampant political polarization in the United States. We would rather assume that people on the other side are misinformed or downright idiotic than acknowledge the viability of different opinions or priorities. Furthermore, we have reached a point where we often isolate ourselves from people with differing political opinions. This is harmful in the obvious sense. Now, I want to be really clear with this. I enjoy and have said many times, whether they're dum-dums or dummies, that I appreciate when people challenge. However, there's a way to do it, right? Emotion isn't necessarily the best way. Fact is always the best way. Doing it with a level head, listening to other people, asking more questions to understand. But this whole idea that no matter what you say, I have an answer for it. Smartest thing I have ever seen anyone write on Facebook were the words, I don't know. Want to know how many times I've seen that? Never. Unless I am writing something, and I will be honest and open with people and say, I really don't know. The problem is that everyone's a freaking genius. Everyone's a Nobel laureate and a scholar. Why do we have to be versed on every single thing that people say? Why, if we spell a word wrong in a 500-word post, that all of a sudden we're not smart? or articulate, or bright, that we don't understand grammar, or not well-read. Why is it that if you quote the Bible, you're immediately discounted as not believing in science? Why is it when you challenge things like the woke culture, BLM, toxic masculinity, white privilege, that you are absolutely shunned and ridiculed for not being woke? It doesn't make much sense, does it? As much as you believe that abortion is a a woman's right is as much as conservatives believe that it's not your right, that it's against God's law. And you can call that hypocritical. You can call that ancient. You can call that they believe in an Easter bunny. It doesn't matter as much as you believe in it, as much as they, and at least you have that in common, that your convictions align, although they may be coming from the opposite sides of the spectrum. Isn't that something to admire? Yet we chastise and we cast it out. However, even more harmful is the reduction of individuals with whom we disagree to nothing more than their political beliefs. We allow our own self-image to be defined by our political identification. We fail to realize that people are more than their votes for Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. People have families, friends hobbies, passions, thoughts, and priorities. A Trump voter is not necessarily a raving racist, and a Clinton voter is not necessarily trying to leech off your hard-earned money. They are simply people who have different opinions than you. Those opinions do not make them dumb or evil. Those opinions do not have to mean that they are not woke. They are different. They are not invalid. If you are shaking your head right now, I implore you to pause for a moment. Can you look at yourself and just label one single opinion that comprehensively defines your identity? One opinion, one thing, one platform of the Republican or Democratic National Convention's list of platforms. I want you to pick one that defines who you are. There aren't any. You'll be found wanting. You're reading a children's book when you need the encyclopedia. The human soul and the heart and mind can't be encapsulated with a platform. It is complicated. It is covered with nuance. 
It is an enigma wrapped in a riddle, wrapped in a puzzle. And it can't be discerned by anyone without conversation. Nobody has that gift. Nobody can look into another person's soul and identify who they are without talking, learning, listening, engaging, arguing, loving, hating, discourse. I certainly hope that none of you feel that any one policy can surmise who you are. We should all acknowledge our complexities as individuals and refuse to be defined by a single term, whether it be woke or conservative or socialist or progressive or Antifa or Proud Boy or just Americans. Then we should extend this same courtesy to others. So I don't want to be woke. I don't want to restrict my definition of activism and intelligence to one and only include those who agree with me politically. I want to be open-minded and engaged. I want to be informed and passionate. I want to be an advocate and a human being beyond political issues. Maybe we can broaden the definition of woke to include these characteristics for both sides of the political spectrum. But until then, I remain contently unwoke. Folks, thanks for stopping by tonight. You can agree, you can disagree, you can love me, you can hate me. It doesn't really matter. All I ask is that you don't unfriend me. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard tonight, please come back tomorrow. I'll be here. Would love to see you. Go over and like, follow, share. See my social handles. Say hello. Don't say goodbye. And come back tomorrow for another one. If you didn't like it tonight, maybe you'll like it better tomorrow. 148 will be on the docket. I will end the show as I end every show. Is the Veteran Crisis Hotline. 1-800-273-8255-PRESS-1. 22 veterans a day commit suicide. It's way too many. Traumatic brain injury. Anxiety. Depression. Post-traumatic stress are all serious. Veterans need our help, especially during the pandemic. They are alone. They're probably scared. They need someone to talk to, but they will never reach out by themselves. That's the problem. They need someone to help them, to tell them it's okay, to help them towards the light. The Veteran Crisis Hotline will help you. They will find you the help you need. If you can't get them to do it, call me and I will talk to them personally and maybe that will help. And if not, you can go to don'tunfriendme.com for more details. Click on the VCL link. You'll be connected directly to a Skype operator for VCL. And if you are a civilian, you're not in the military, that's fine. The great thing about VCL is they'll find you the help you need as well. Folks, I say it all the time. Let's be more tolerant of each other. Let's understand we have more in common than we don't. I really meant what I said about being woke. It's not that I'm against BLM. It's not that I'm against activism. It's not that I'm against equality and women's rights and all of that other stuff. I don't let one thing define me, and you shouldn't either. Because it has, through the annals of history, not gone well for people who have one idea. And if you go back and read a few books from the pharaohs to the Moors and the Saxons to the Egyptians to the Anglo-Saxons, to the English, to the Greeks, to the Germans, the Italians, the Russians, the Czechs, the Indies, Chinese, we can go on and on and on. Every single part of history, every single community has had one idea that has killed and slaughtered hundreds of thousands of people. One idea creates derision. It creates people who stick their feet in the mud. It creates hate for those that don't agree with them. 
I would challenge you not to be woke. I would challenge you not to only be a patriot, that there's something in the middle. And if we can find that common ground, maybe, just maybe, start having civilized conversation again. Thank you so much, folks. I appreciate you. I will see you tomorrow with another episode of Don't Unfriend Me. Good night.